Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. Roger Abe with Elias Randall. I'm just going to do this. It's Halloween coming up. Here's what I want to know. What's your costume? I wear the same thing every year. Let me guess, Elias Randall, Super Dad. No, no. I wear one of my old football jerseys, and I'm a football official for Halloween. Because my kids, well, I... I wouldn't wear a costume, but then every year they're like, well, Dad, you're going to dress up, right? So then I just wear that. All right, so Halloween's a deal in our house. And it's not like random costumes we have to match. At least Mom and Dad do. So let me go through the costumes are this year. I'll send Molly a picture of my youngest daughter. She's going as Wednesday. Do you know who Wednesday is? From Adam's, Adam's family? Yeah. yeah, she loves to be dark. like, And we have the cutest picture in her costume. It's hilarious. My wife goes, well, Wednesday doesn't smile. So she goes, my, my oldest daughter is going to be a cheerleader. But then mom and dad have a Halloween party. So I'm going to. Halloween's act, pretty serious at your house. It's Yeah. We've been to the Halloween store three times. My girls want to go Thursday after school. They want to go get scared. And we spent four hours at Bloomsbury Farm yesterday. You did. What time were you there? 1130 till 330. Were you there too? Yeah. Were you really? Like 10 until noon. It's amazing how big it is. He just. Yeah. I just going, tell going, my other friends going. were there too. All right. So, because we're Hawkeye basketball fans and now women's Hawkeye basketball fans, let me tell you the costumes. Okay. And we're, we, my wife has another friend going to go out to for a Halloween party. Her friend's going to dress as Caitlin Clark, Iowa Hawkeye women basketball phenom. My wife is dressing as Coach Mulkey. Do you know who that is? Yeah, that's yeah. The, she's the uh, she's an assistant. Oh no, you're head, talking head Kim coach Mulkey for, from Kim Mulkey. LSU. Kim Mulkey from LSU. There you go. So she's gonna wear a flamboyant outfit. Megan's guess, gonna be her. Yeah, that's a good one for her. And guess what? I have to be. Um, you're gonna be Lisa Bluter, the referee. <laughs> you need a jersey. <laughs> yeah, I need a jersey, Eli. I gotta borrow from you. But yeah, Halloween's a big deal in our family. Um, honestly, it might be my wife's favorite holiday. I mean, seriously, like her favorite holiday. That's pr- I know you guys, it's pretty serious. We do some decorations and go trick-or-treating, but you guys go kind of all out for Halloween, which is fun. I think we decorate more for Halloween than we do for Christmas. No, no way. We don't, we don't put any lights or anything outside the house for Christmas. We've got ghosts out front. We've got bats flying around. Oh, yeah. I, I think my wife decorates, other than like the Christmas tree, but other inside tree. we've got We've got ghosts inside. I mean, yeah, it's every day. My daughters want one more thing added to the thing. They're like, dad, we need to put up another decoration. So, so guess what have, shows up from Amazon? So we have uh, our decorations. And I'm sure you have a lot of these too with a sensor. So then when you walk by, it starts doing a song or trying to scare you. So anyway, I go around and I turn all those off. <laughs> like this morning up on the counter, this thing just kept singing and singing and singing so i grabbed it turned it around switched off and no more singing (laughs) fun hater yep so i thought we'd start the show out with some fun halloween facts and first fact is the recent data shows americans will spend more on halloween this year than ever before Thanks, because, inflation. Yeah, thanks, inflation. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me why my wife's buying more stuff. Candy inflation's probably there, too. But think about it. 
when we were kids, Elias, you went to a door, you get a sucker or a Tootsie Roll, right? Today, you're looking for the full bars. Because these Where houses. Where you go? Yeah. All, yeah, some people do that. Some. That's my great. whole neighborhood's a full bar neighborhood. I mean, wow. it's like, it's unbelievable how what they give these kids for candy and treats. I mean, my sister-in-law did it right a couple of years ago. She did adult Halloween trick-or-treating. So, yeah, what's that? A well, shooter, fireball, and exactly a can of bush light? It's exactly what it was. <laughs> so as you're walking around with the kids, you got some fireball shooters. I had a great time. Uh, but I'm going to give you some quiz questions, and I'm going to see if you can answer it. Okay. So Halloween spending was $10.6 billion in 2022. What do you think they are estimating the spending will be this year? So one year later. Yeah. So anywhere, I'm going to guess 500 million to another billion. So, so your I'm guess is 11.1 to. Yeah, 11.6. 11.6. Close. It's actually 12.2 billion. Ooh. Another billion and a half dollars. That's, I mean, that's a 15% increase, basically. That's so it's. I was just trying to figure, okay, what was inflation's been hot. You right? figured 10% on the high end. Yeah. It's just to a billion. But then I was thinking, you know what, though? Candy, especially the mini ones, probably shrinkflation has taken advantage there, right? So, like, well, even probably the regular ones, Full right? Bars. It's probably easy to make candy a little bit smaller and just keep it the same price. So I didn't want to go a full. 10% increase. I thought that might be a little high if you factor in some shrinkflation, but it's even. So 15% increase. Yeah. It be, How well, is that possible? Think, well, clearly people are using their discretionary money to buy it. Like it's in excess of inflation. They're like committing more dollars to it. Yeah, I know. For so candy on Halloween. So is it, hey, it's COVID's over and we just want to buy awesome. Maybe the costumes are more. I don't pay attention to the price of costumes. Maybe those are more. Maybe they're done wearing their high school football jersey and they can't recycle that costume anymore and had to buck up this year, kind of like Elias. Uh, all right. Question two. How much of that money do you think is being spent on candy? I bet of the, 60% of all. So the $12 billion, you know, Okay, you think, hold, hold, no. Because costumes are expensive. Decorations are expensive. I bet the total can Okay, what else goes with it? It's candy, I'll give you a hint. In the number, they're considering candy, decorations, costumes. Just those three things. Three. So you got three things to focus on. Candy, decorations, costumes. I bet it's like a third candy, more than a third on costumes. And then, like, a little bit less on decorations. Okay, so give me the – so you think a third on candy. So, yeah, so I'll just say 33% on candy. So that would be $3.6 billion, right? Yep. You're exactly right. Really? Yeah. Okay, so then right costumes the is going to be, like, 45 or 50% of that number. Okay, so costumes is $4.1 billion. So you said that would be the highest. You're right. Yeah. And then decorations and then is 3.9. The remainder, yeah. You did. You're on it. That was on. That's, That's I'm pretty a, good. Guess. Hey, listen, I'm I didn't pretty, even cheat. I think I if I think I would have guessed less on candy, because I feel like candy you can just buy cheap. Like, oh, I bought a whole bag and it was like right 
12 bucks. And what about the people that don't buy candy but still buy decorations? But the Halloween candy's already been out. I've seen it at the grocery store already for maybe a month. Okay, so you know I don't eat so much sugar. So all that, all that Halloween, think how much Halloween candy's purchased and then not even there. by how, So you got to go buy another bag and another bag. Yeah, that happened in my house. So, you it know, happens I don't, at every house that buys the Halloween candy. So I had, right I had a night of weakness. Out. I went to Fairway. I had to pick something up for the girls. My, Megan sent me out to pick something up, and I bought one of those bags of the flavored Tootsie Rolls. Bought Which kind? It. Like they have like the lemon and the green apple, yeah, Tootsie Roll the, flavors. The Tootsies. little ones or the bigger ones? The bigger ones, and the little ones yeah. are better. I but, like the big ones. But I had the big ones. Yeah, that bag's about gone. I had a little month of weakness here. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't do a whole lot of sugar. So Yeah, so it's not – I think it's easy to think, oh, the candy would be less. But you're probably thinking, like, the the stuff you're actually going to hand out, yeah, that's less. But there's a, a lot more candy being purchased because it gets eight ahead of time. I didn't think about the adult trick-or-treating three weeks ahead of time, and then we have to buy more. It's a good thing I didn't buy full bars. Well, it <laughs> it's actually, it might be better. I'm probably better off just because you ever eat, like you eat two small ones and then you think, oh, at least I didn't eat a full. You know, you did. Like it's basically yeah. two okay, little ones so is one full here, one. Here's the thing. The little mini Tootsie Rolls, I looked in the back, you can have five, it's 120 calories. There's some sugar in it, but it's like eight grams or nine grams of sugar. So it's not like super horrible if you only eat five. Yeah, good luck only eating five. Well, yeah, but five leads to 25. Right. <laughs> That's the problem. That kind of spooks me how good I am at guessing what candy costs and what costume costs. You're buying but, too much costume and candy. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, I came across another scary financial fact, and with Halloween coming up, I kind of wanted to bring it up and talk about it. So the savings rate, in the United States has now plummeted below what would be a decade-long average. Savings rate was roughly almost 9%, 8.9% of personal income being saved. That's down to 3.9%. So then I started asking myself, well, why would that be? Inflation probably has a lot to do with that. I would say maybe the majority to do with that and people's wages haven't increased as much as inflation the last couple of years and especially with shelter costs and food costs and really a lot of the necessity things going up in price and, and that you know that, that's one thing it's really it's not really within control from a personal finance perspective so there's just a lot of debt being out there that's being serviced and I think that's one of the first things you can do to kind of set yourself up financially for successes. Get your debt under control and get those payments under control and within reason. And if you think of kind of like, okay, order of operations of how to be successful with money, it's hard to save even a 10% savings rate if you're living beyond your means and your bills are more than what you bring in, right? So addressing the debt, having an emergency fund, that kind of sets you up to have less scary times financially. Like if you're saving the right amount of money and you have an emergency fund, you can weather some financial hardship, weather inflation better than other people will be able to. I'll be honest, I'm shocked it was 9%. That's I'm surprised actually, that was the decade average. 
I'd like to know what it was pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. Like, how much money did people save up? Did they save 15 or 18% during 2020-21 when they had all the influx yes. of government Those money? years helped push that number up for yeah, sure. I would really like to see it. But, I, would, I mean, I'll be honest. If somebody saved 9% and truly saved it and didn't spend it, that's what's always tough about a savings rate. They do some study and say, well, how much do you save out of your paycheck? 9%. Oh, okay. But if... You put it in a bank and then you spend it two months later. It wasn't really saved. So yeah. that's hard. Like I'd like to know where it's going, but I think it leads to another thing because you brought up that savings is down, but I actually um, read an article the other day, Goldman Sachs put it out and they dubbed it the financial vortex because of many factors all hitting at one time could actually reduce retiree savings by up to 37%. And is this the total? They're just saying like the total amount that they would ever have saved? Yeah, because just saying they could reduce it by a third because of these factors. And it's really the culmination of potentially retiring or having to retire earlier. Student loans that they're now going to have to pay back. They didn't have to think they were going to have to pay back. Caregiving shortfall. Just a lot of different things that they may potentially be hit with all of these things at one time. If you think about the last 20 years, we've had relatively easy monetary policy. The last time we've seen tough monetary policy like we have today was 2007. We know what happened in 08 and 09. Well, when money's easy, it's easy to get by and do really well, but money's tough now. I mean, I just read a read an article the other day about um, more people are actually getting declined for their home purchase because of income. Right. Think about it. Let's say you went and built a house a year ago. What were mortgage rates a year ago? I don't I don't remember offhand, but five and a quarter yeah, less than what they are now. Seven and a quarter now. You know, on five hundred thousand, two point seven five percent rate on half a million bucks. So that was just three years ago to today. Do you know how much in monthly interest increase it is? No. $1,400 no. a month. Yeah, it's a lot. That's significant. Basically double. You went from 2000 a month to 3400 a month. Right, which is less house that people can't afford. That's why we're having the problem. So, you know, the other thing is people are trying to decide whether they should live better now or later. You know, we've talked about this a lot. Do, we, do you spend your money now? Do you do it in retirement? And, you know, I'm kind of the end of the assumption that Prepare as good as you can for retirement financially. But everybody should think about what does retirement actually look like? Ask yourself this question. Do you really think when you're 85 years old, you're going to spend the same amount as when you're 65? And what you start to do is you should start crafting your financial plan around those questions because it may help you figure out how you actually want to live today. You know, a lot of people sacrifice because they'll come in here and they're like, hey, I need to spend $15,000 a month for every single year in retirement. Okay. Go find me an 85-year-old that's spending 15000 bucks a month and isn't in a long-term care facility. If, yeah, if they are, they're getting some kind of care right. at that point. But, but yeah. they weren't getting care forever, likely. Mm -hmm. But what happens with most people? They sacrifice now so they can have this phenomenal income in retirement. Once again, who knows what it looks like, but there's a certain point in time where you just are in the slow go phase and you're not moving forward and you need to quantify what do I need to save to get me into retirement and do what I want to do and enjoy it. 
but not just sacrifice today. And you know where we see people sacrificing a lot today for retirement is people who've never done a plan. You've had these. Yeah. Husband or husband or wife is super saver, just laser focused. And it's awesome. They're going to have tons of money, but you can't take it to the grave with you. And yeah, we've had situations where one spouse comes in and they said, you know, I'd really like to spend more, but my other spouse is so concerned about retirement, won't let us spend anything. And for those people, what do we try to do? Find the happy medium. You know, I had someone in here who wanted to buy a new house and the husband wouldn't buy a new house. They were kicking butt. I'm like, you guys can afford to buy a new house, but I did a plan to show them. They had like three kids. They're, she's like, we don't have enough space, but he was only focused on the retirement number. So in that case, we're able to show these people, hey, look, you're doing great for retirement. You can scale it back a little bit and still be in great shape and go provide what you need for your family today. And that's a, you know, and there's a good balance there, right? And I think that's one of the more valuable reasons to do some financial planning, and especially for the the family that's been doing a good job. They're executing all the basics. Well, if you like that situation. So one person wants to get a bigger house because of the size of the family. The other spouse is just concerned, well, we have to sock away the savings. But if you're on track to hit your retirement goals and you can afford a bigger house, nicer house, whatever you think, well, then you're you're living the life that you've worked hard, right? I tell people all the time, you've worked really hard to have this life you have. Like why if you really want to go without, fine, you can go without. But if you need permission to spend some money, uh, I think your financial plan has given you that. Go well, ahead that bring, and do it. Brings up a cool thing. October's financial planning month. Do you know that? I did because of this outline. I did. Me too. Only Which I'm sure outline. every year October's financial planning month and I'm unaware of it until we film this show, but that's okay. We have a lot of things going, Elias. But you know what it is? Now is a good time to make sure you're on track as you go into the new year. Everybody's going to start thinking about New Year's resolutions and what I'm going to do. So let's talk a little bit about today some of the most common misconceptions about financial planning and see if we can help people kind of conquer those and get engaged into the planning process, Elias. Yeah, the first one of the biggest myths is financial planning is only needed at retirement or when you're starting to transition to retirement. And that that's not true. There's a lot of value. Um, doing some financial planning can provide om basically for any investor at any stage. The level of complication that plan might involve is different depending on the person and where they're at and what they have. Really, in its simplest form, a financial plan is here's my goals. And then our, us as a firm, what we do is we say, hey, these are the goals you've said you want to achieve. Here's some action items, things we would do today to help you achieve that. And then here's some stuff to be thinking about for the future. Um, but I don't know. I, I can't tell you any. I don't have an example of someone that I took through our process, whether they're 25 and just getting started or 65 and transitioning to retirement. And at the end of it, they didn't know what they needed to do to accomplish their goals. It just doesn't work that way. No, that's a good point. And honestly, the, the example I just gave about the family quantifying how much home they could afford to buy, 
that's exactly why it's not just for retirees. I mean, it can help answer a lot of important decisions. We actually coined the phrase a number of years ago. It's your financial decision tree. Helps you make financial decisions, whether retirement or life purchases. Some of this can all be quantified through this planning process. The second one I think is really a great one. And it's that many people think a financial plan is one and done. And I think the people reason people believe this is 15 years ago, it was one and done because of the sheer work and effort it took from an advisor standpoint, cost standpoint to do it. Today's planning, it's not a static plan, it's dynamic. It is so easy to update these plans and use it every single time you make a financial decision. You know, less than 30% of the people actually have a financial plan. So if you well, have less one, less than 30% of people are confident in, in retire. their retirement. All the numbers plan. line up. Yeah. And here's the thing. If you have one and it was one and done, don't feel bad. You're doing better than most. But whoever's putting your plan together should be able to create this into a very dynamic plan that's always adjusting and updating with your life circumstances and not just sitting in your top drawer with 100 pages bound up. Yeah, it is. And I... You know, I think one of the, it's sometimes people, they really appreciate a lot of the feedback, but then also when you can model scenarios for people, they think they're kind of shocked by how easy it is. I mean, you could have a question of, I'm thinking about doing this and literally with some data input and a few clicks of a button in like two minutes, we can have a, the right answer I or did at least the information you need. Gal, the other day we put the plan together. She goes, well, I need a new car and I want to buy this $20,000 worth of home improvements and um, camera equipment. She takes photography. Just like that. Put it into the plan. Probability of success went down 2%. I go, that's statistically irrelevant. Right. So it doesn't matter. So there's matter. no doubt in her mind that she can go afford this $40,000 car and this $20,000 home improvement and camera lenses. Done. Right. But before that, she was paralyzed because she was afraid she was taking too much money out. And I was able to quantify. I actually even went deeper, Elias. I went and said, well, if we look at what your max spending number is, you should probably spend about $80 a month less through retirement. It gives you the same probabilities you had before. So well, it was like. Yeah. So those decisions are now easy. She's self-financing it through $80 less per month. Yeah, right. It's self-financing through her money. Why wouldn't you do it? 80 yeah. bucks. That's somebody's monthly Starbucks, Starbucks bill. Yep. Yeah. I think the third one, the third myth here, people sometimes think financial planning is only for the wealthy. You know, I think there's an argument to be made that there's a financial, everyone, money impacts everyone. So financial planning fits almost every need, every person in their journey, in their investing journey. Now I will say you may think it's only for the wealthy. I, th I think I can make a really good argument that it's also for people that would like to create wealth over time. Um, you know, I know the young people we bring on as clients, okay, to say they might be 35 when they start with us. Well, how many 35-year-olds are wealthy at that point in their life? I mean, they may, be, they may be doing a lot of good things financially, but just typically haven't had enough time in their career to build up enough wealth. But we can create a plan to hit those goals, whatever it is, right? So it might not be, you don't need to wait until you're there to get help. You can get help along the way too. 
I could argue the the financial plan in the form of like quantifying retirement income and making sure you're okay has less value for a wealthy person than for a mass affluent person. Mass affluence under $3 million in that worth. Yeah. If you were yeah, $10 million. Yeah. At, at some point you get to the point where it's just. If you've got 10 yeah. million or 20 million or a hundred million, you're not worried about retiring. If you've got three, many people with 3 million are concerned about running out of money. And now someone with a million bucks is like, well, I'd never be concerned about it. It's all quality of life. But a person with 750, a million, a million five, they're concerned about not running out of money and not running out of lifestyle. You got 10 million, you're not worried about it. So I think, well, we've had this saying for a long time, you know, we kind of laugh at firms that have account minimums because if you have an account minimum, it just means you only care about the revenue. I, your argument that there's more value in taking a 35 year old who has $5,000 and getting them to a million five, that's way more valuable than we taking a 50 year old who has half a million dollars saved. Cause if I'd have got for the client, yeah. yeah. Cause you're helping them get, if there. I'd have got to hold yeah. them at 35, they'd have more than half a million saved at 50 or 55. Yes. I believe that to be true. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, next one. It's only about the, the numbers financial plan. Yeah. There's numeric calculations, but really what's going to help your financial plan is the data interpretation, but also your financial plans, not just financial. Like think about the questions we ask people. I'm going to use my parents when they retired. I said, what are you going to do with your time? Non-financial. What are you gonna do? Because if you don't know what you're going to do, Retirement could be lonely, could be boring. You could pick up an addiction. We've seen it. People retire. Next thing you know, they have an alcohol addiction because they have time or they get a gambling addiction. They spend money like they never spent. They're addicted to spending money. They don't have anything to do. So financial plan is not just about numerical calculations. No. And it's, I think with investing, there has to be a reason for doing it. And that's, I think, you know, most, especially as people transition into retirement, they want their money to have a little bit more meaning where it's hard to build a, I struggle when I'm kind of interviewing someone for the first time and it's just, I just want to have the most money I can possibly have. Like to me, that's not a realistic goal to work around. That's right? unattainable. There, What's there's the no most meaning. Money? Yeah. There's no meaning to that. But anyway, the, the next one here. You think retirement planning is all about the 401k. Now, I will agree that 401k is probably the number one tool used as far as investment accounts are related um, to accumulate retirement dollars. And that, you know, and that is a good thing. It's good for a lot of reasons. A couple, typically you set it up with your payroll. So it's like one of the easiest ways to invest just comes out of the paycheck, goes into the account. You'll set up, you're either going to be part of the default program, which could be a target date, or you'll be a part of investment choices, um, that you make. So, but that's not a financial plan like saying, Oh, I'm saving my 401k. That's my financial plan. That's definitely a good tool to use towards accomplishing those goals. It should be something you take advantage of. And just the the act of saving, saving, the habit of saving, that's a fundamental thing to having success 
with money, but it's more, you know, engaging with the professional, outlining some real goals of yours that you have and putting in action items and then executing them. That That's really what a financial plan is. And the 401k could be a part of that, but it's not going to be the, the only piece of that picture. The sixth one, you don't think all financial decisions, think of all financial decisions as retirement decisions. Remember I coined that phrase, or I just said earlier that your financial plan becomes your financial decision tree. Mm -hmm. The reason is because every single decision you make in some format impacts your retirement, whether you know it or not. And here's what I mean by that. The pumpkin spice latte versus make coffee at home. Hey, I like the latte, but there's an opportunity cost of that drink. And I, once again, I don't believe that coffee is the reason you don't retire, but I'm just using it as an example. If you spend $4 on a latte every day, there's the opportunity cost there. Going out to dinner or making it in-house, opportunity cost. So if you spend all of your money on discretionary items, at some point, your savings rate has to suffer unless you just are out spending all of that all the all the discretionary items but even then it still has an impact on retirement you think about when we go do the little scenarios of you save five hundred dollars a month for 20 years how much it adds up to do you waste five hundred dollars a month that's the opportunity cost so maybe you go from two and a half million one and a half million at retirement to two and a half is retirement different maybe it might be i don't know does it matter it may or may not matter too though I get this one a lot. I want to buy a vacation house. I want to buy a second home in Florida, Arizona. And we run the scenario and all of a sudden their probability of success was 85% and they go buy this place at 65. They don't do a financial plan. They actually might've made a catastrophic mistake. And affording a second home, especially in retirement is a much taller task than I think people people envision kind of it's kind of like a dream but if you don't really plan for it it's hard to just all of a sudden add that just add that in as something you're going to do as a retired person they don't realize that they go to florida they might spend as much on insurance as they do for the house payment depending on where it is right yeah Yeah. you go Half million dollar house? What's insurance going to be? Twenty grand a year? I have no idea. I'm sure. I don't, in fact, I just read an article the other day that people are now spending thirty, forty, fifty thousand a year to insure their homes. Wow. No one wants to insure if you can get insurance. So all those factors add in and affect your overall retirement. Every decision you make is going to affect retirement at some level, and it may not be. You know what? As I think about it, it may not be less money. It might be you have to work three years longer. Like it be, still affects your retirement. Yeah, it could be working longer. It could be the traveling less. Yeah, the total amount that you have is less. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of var- variability in that, and and I think that kind of leads into the next one. You think of finances simply just inflow and outflow, which yes, that is that's a very basic function of finance and running a budget and deciding. Um how you're going to allocate your money. And I think the other kind of the other part of this conversation is there's only, only so much time and with time and then how you allocate the money, there's only so much more money that your money can make. Right. So there's, there's definitely some sort of answer 
in there, but I think when we, when we're talking about even income planning or distribution planning, cause that's pretty much outflows from a plan, but there's also, there's other things to consider how much risk you're going to take, how you're going to assign responsibility to different, um, different buckets of money, if you will, and just how that is all going to work. But I think if you're really, I think the point of this was if you're really like have a financial plan and done some good planning and have some goals and you know how it's going to work, it is more complicated than just the inflows versus the outflows. But I think, I think you can create something that will work for you. It's just a little more effort than like a simple spreadsheet, I guess is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Nine, you think retirement is time for dwindling finances. This is the hardest transition for people. They retire and then they say, well, we can't spend any money. They don't want to spend money. That doesn't sound fun. No, I'm, and people get really frugal because for 30 or 40 years while they're working, this retirement account was, man, we can't ever touch it. Can't touch it, can't touch it. Well, when you retire, that's why you saved it, was to use it. It wasn't to just let it sit there and never go down. Like, you're going to use it. And that is a, that to me, that's a, like, that's a real, which you know this, but that's a real thing. People, we're so programmed that we're never going to touch that money just even setting up the first distribution or the first monthly withdrawal, people get kind of scared just over that. And they're just really not even sure what to do. And 10 Elias, people think the value of your savings is the most important financial planning metric. And yeah, how much you have saved is important, but there's other factors that go into retirement. Like what are you gonna do with the rest of your life? It's not just how much money you have saved. Too many people quantify retirement by the dollars. Retirement's really about what you're going to do with the last 25 years or 30 years of your life when you're not working. Like the dollars are just kind of the engine to the means. It's not definitive. Like the money can come and go. But what you're going to do with the last 25 years is really what's going to define what your retirement looks like. Yeah, and it kind of, to me, it always goes back to the... uh I've always heard you need a million bucks to retire, right? And maybe you do, depending on your lifestyle. It's very possible that you don't. It's very possible it could that number for your family is less. It's possible for your family that number is much higher. Might be zero. I'm going to give you an example. It, yeah, it absolutely could be zero. You have two husband and wives in Iowa, teachers. Both have Vipers, both have Social Security. They might have zero saved outside of that. And they'll be But fine. guess what they have? Cash flow. Checks coming in every month. Think about good checks at that too. Good checks. You know, let's say they made seventy thousand each. Probably each getting thirty five hundred bucks from IPERS. That's seven thousand. Each getting two grand for social security. It's hundred and ten thousand a year, hundred and twenty thousand a year. They'll be okay. Yeah, they will be. If they have some investments, that's kind of their fun money or their inflation hedge, whatever you want to call it, to give themselves raises. But yeah, it's they they don't need it. I remember doing a plan for someone that's like, man, I'm so worried I'm going to run out of money. And this was the exact scenario. I go, well, you could run out of money, but you're not going to run out of income. It's not going to be any different than when you were working. I mean, when you were working, think about people when they're working. They don't have this big retirement account to go to. Someone had virtually the same income in retirement from pensions and Social Security. 
Do they need this huge investment account? No. No. Nice to have. <laughs> yeah, nice to have. Yeah. But they don't have to worry about running out of money. So with that said, you know, I think everybody, if you have engaged in a financial plan, you can go to btwellshow.com. We'd be happy to help you guys get started. With that said, do you have any closing remarks, Elias? Have a happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween. Maybe we'll send some pictures of our costumes. Let's upload those. And I needed and I need a jersey. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional 